Ever wanted a career in football? From TV deals to player transfers, football is now a global, multi-billion dollar industry in need of qualified professionals who know the sport inside and out. Brought to you by the Global Institute of Sport, the Masters of Football Business is delivered by experts from Australia and around the world. Learn online with unique access to networking and guest speaker events at the iconic MCG. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree. Apply now to start in February 2022. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. gis.sport.fnr. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, hello, Josh. Uh, George Denekian. Uh, Josh Parrish, by the way, running the gun and the programming from our studio, the FNR studios in Docklands. I'm doing it via Zoom from Port Melbourne. The weather is, uh, as they say, quite volatile in Victoria, as is the sport. Uh, on the tennis courts, apparently the special K's have taken a notch out of the football world and created a whole new atmosphere at the Australian Open, which is marvellous. Even Channel 10 has reminded us about that. Um, uh, we've got some fantastic uh, action from our national team. The Socceroos tonight playing at Amy Stadium. It's been quite a while since we've seen the green and gold playing live in Victoria. Uh, and of course, early tomorrow morning in Mumbai, in India, um, a place where Andy Pascalides has spent the last three months, I think, uh, getting himself sorted and covering the Indian Premier League. He tells me it's a beautiful stadium and it's our, our turn of the Matildas to uh, play their final group game. Uh, so far, they've been outstanding. Of course, what was it 18-0, 16-0, 15-0 the first time round? It was 18-0 in the first game, George. Well, we, uh, I think even the commentators were losing count. It was, You know the only thing that worries me? Archie Thompson would have been seriously stressed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it was actually comparable that that game to the American Samoa match in that I don't think beating Indonesia eighteen nil did much for Indonesian football, uh, as was uh, argued by some commentators uh, afterwards. But uh, yeah, they all got selfies with Sam Kerr. At least they can treasure that. And in fact, uh, you mentioned the uh, selfies with Sam, uh, the goalkeeper who copped five. Was terrific. She uh, when I say cop five, she cop five of uh, Sam Kerr's best. Mm. Uh, she she tweeted that you know, and she had a photo of her and embracing Sam, saying you know, I was there. I I cop five from the best. I just think that adds another layer of um, of sporting love and bromance and romance and everything else that goes with it. Uh, terrific fun. Um, look, it was one sided. No two, no two ways about it. But sport has always been like that. Uh, I can remember a time not that long ago when a place called Bangladesh uh, would, would bowl underarm, not, wasn't bowling too much overarm. And these days, Bangladesh has sent a team to the home of the world champions, namely New Zealand, and knocked them over. It's so much so that they've upset the, battle, the, uh, the apple cart and allowed uh, that loss to bump Australia to number one status in the world in, in cricket. So, mate, those scores, they have a way of getting back at you. <laughs> I suppose so. But uh, Thailand, it's going to be great to hear Teo Pelletzeri back on Matilda's uh, duties for the first time in, I think, two and a half years since he's done a Matilda's game. And uh, he's going to be ably supported by uh, a couple of the other talents on, uh, on Channel 10 as well. I believe it's Grace Gill and Amy Chapman as well. Yeah, look, I, I think Grace has shown us uh, a, a new um, perspective, which is mm. terrific. Um, I've loved the fact that um, there, are, there are a crop of young broadcasters coming through. And um, just as I'm delighted with some of the work that you've been doing lately, in fact, you had, what a, talk about joys, um, Josh Parrish got a chance to uh, co-commentate with uh, Alex Chidiak. Um, ex-Melbourne City, now Melbourne Victory, but a Socceroo. Uh, sorry, a Matilda, I should, I should add. I, Matilda, I think the Socceroos could do with her, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, her industry and inventiveness in the midfield uh, wouldn't go astray, would it? <laughs> uh, I, honestly, she is, she I'm is not, a talent I'm not has sh- been for quite a while. She's suffered from maybe some international moves that haven't gone as she'd hoped and, and hasn't played injuries, huh? and as much football in the past couple of years 
um, as a player of her talent should, but I, I still think we've made a bit of a mistake leaving her off the plane for the Asian Cup. But then again, I'm biased because I've worked with her now. So uh, she was fantastic value. Uh, the event yesterday was the African Nations Cup in Melbourne uh, run yep. by Football Empowerment. So it's a tournament that happens every single year. Uh, they move heaven and earth to get this thing going because it's quite an undertaking. There are full group stages and knockout rounds over the course wow. of January. And the final, the grand finals are always on Australia Day. Uh, which I think is a fitting celebration of our, our multicultural nation and what we, we strive to be. And it's always a great day. The under-18s final was on at 2 p.m. and then our broadcast started at 4 with the women's final between Team Uganda and Team Australia, which is uh, sort of an all-star lineup of all of the nations that couldn't get together a full squad, I suppose, <laughs> uh, which is nice. And uh, it, it was a rematch of last year's women's grand final uh, where Uganda won it in extra time. Uh, so Australia got their revenge. They won 1-0 on a very, very hot day, but it was a really well-contested match and a finally Josh, taken Josh, goal. Josh, let, let me ask you, because you've had the perspective of watching it last year and this year, mm. and in fact, you've watched it for, for a number of years now. Talk to me about the level of the game, the quality mm. and skill on show. Are we seeing uh, more maturity each and every year? And are we seeing more players able to show their, their value? Well, the amazing thing about about it, George, is not only are some of these players representing their country of origin in this community tournament, they're also representing their country of origin in real international matches. So the South Sudan team uh, that took to the field in the men's grand final against Kenya contains a number of players who actually received caps in World Cup qualifiers uh, and they ply their trade in the MPL Victoria ranks. Um, but they're also called up to the national team and go on these amazing, amazing trips uh, across the globe to to represent their country. And uh, yeah, it was great to see some of those guys in action. Uh, Yach Bol, I thought, stood out, uh, the Geelong Soccer Club uh, defender who just has an outstanding range of passing. Uh, but it was actually the young stars of Kenya who shone on the night. They ended up winning 4-1, and it was almost an entirely under-23 lineup, even though it was a senior men's competition. Uh, their star player, who ended up being the top scorer in the whole tournament, Chol Gabriel, uh, was breathtaking. He's only 18. He scored two in the grand final, top scorer in the whole tournament, playing against a lot of MPL uh, players. And last I saw, with my you know limited research available, he was playing State League 4. So there were undiscovered gems out there. Well, tell me, uh, did you see Michael Petrillo, the head of football from Melbourne City, who we're going to be talking to a little bit later on? Was he there hiding, lurking in the shadows? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, d- I couldn't make him out. But uh, there were about 1,000, maybe 2,000 people in attendance at Ralph Reserve, the home of Western Suburbs. Uh, it was just an amazing atmosphere. I couldn't believe the turnout this year. It just gets bigger and bigger every time. Uh, so... Such a good event, and the finals were of such high quality and intensity. Uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun to broadcast. I have to say, it's it's one of my favourite events of the year. So, uh, if you get a chance, their replays are available on all the FNR platforms, and uh, I'm going to be putting up some highlights reels as well uh, later today. Uh, you know, you you reminisce and talk to me about how exciting it was and how you you've been delighted to be a part of it. And congratulations on on that that. The effort, uh, from all reports, it's been well received. It reminds me of a World Cup, uh, a mini World Cup that we did at Knox City um, uh, in the mid-80s. Uh, Les Murray came down. I was flown down from Sydney. And we not only played, we co-commentated, we did the whole box and dice. And like you said, there were thousands. So w- we've always had this wonderful spirit here. We just need to... To, to support it more often, I think. 100%. Because, uh, because you're right, there are gems everywhere. And if that Knox City tournament, in some form or another, George, I believe is still going. That's the All-Nations right? Cup, if I'm not mistaken, which we've gone down to do with FNR before. So that do, happens do in November. Do you think there might be a, a Golden Oldies, um, you know, <laughs> rep, rep five, five aside? Uh, we'll have to ask Knox City uh, Soccer Club to, to put on a, no, an extra no, division for you, George. No, oh, God. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, of important games, we mentioned it's the Socceroos tonight at Amy Park. Uh, and, of course, uh, in the early hours of the morning, um, I think it's 1 a.m., on live and free on Channel 10, okay, it's the Matildas playing their final game. So 
Very special, very special. Uh, speaking of special things, Josh, one of the things on State of Our Football Nation is that we try and give you a sense of some of the stories that are making headlines, not only here, but across the country and simmering and going across the globe. And there's a big story that you and I can't touch until 7.30. Only problem is our broadcast or our telecast or our podcast finishes at 6. Um, thank you very much to Football Australia and to everyone associated. But what I can say and what you and I can talk about is uh, the select group of individuals who have been honoured for their services they are top of the tree and they have served their dues, have they not? Oh, 100%. Uh, it's a yeah. great list. Uh, we yeah. can't share it yet, but I believe no. it will be announced pre-kickoff uh, before the Australia-Vietnam okay. game and tonight. That'll be worth worthwhile. So yeah. if you're joining uh, the telecast and why wouldn't you, um, it's available uh, from, was it 730 yeah, I think the pregame starts around about then. And, uh, you know, sellout crowd at Amy Park as well, 27,000 wow. expected. Wow, wow. Um, that's exciting stuff. Listen, um, after what has been a season that you and I can now uh, define by saying it's been severely disrupted by COVID, okay, mm-hmm. um, we're hearing that the last FFA Cup final is about to be played. And before anyone goes, oh, no, um, the reason why it's the last FFA Cup final is... Because on, they're Josh. renaming it. <laughs> yes. It's not the end of the uh, the only national uh, club competition uh, for every club in the country. Um, it'll be the last in this current guise, which is the FFA Cup. Mm. And I expect to hear a brand new name really soon. Well, I've been doing some uh, some digging, George. Some some homework. Yes. Uh, okay. If you're go looking for, for a, an announcement of a of a name, uh, you yeah. only have to go and check the Australian trademark registry. Oh, clever boy! And I've got uh, my hands on a link to a FFA Cup identical logo with the words yeah. Australia Cup written uh. underneath. So in, they might they might have registered multiples. That's a possibility. Yep. That's uh, but possible. my yep. my heavy money is on Australia Cup as the name, and it would be fitting to connect the the legacies of of two competitions. Yeah, it would. It would, and it adds another layer uh, and, uh, of storytelling and a narrative for the for the um, football code that we know as soccer, um, which, if you think about it long and hard, has been around for more than a century. Mm-hmm. It's been maligned, it's been kicked around, but at various intervals, it's led the way, whether it was the first national competition, uh, you know, for men, then for women, uh, for, for, the, for the youth sides. Um, to think there's a national knockout competition and it's going to be called the Australia Cup is seriously exciting because as you and I have seen, we've seen it grow from... 600 teams competing to you know coming up to 800 teams and they all they all see the value and of course in this new guys it'll also have even more brownie points and more status because this this particular event will be a standalone i think it's 745 um uh, kickoff mm-hmm. and it'll be live on network 10 and simulcast on 10 10 play so they, they're going all out. There, there are no shortcuts here. Um, and I believe that during the pregame show, we'll get to find out what the name of the, uh, the new competition will be. Yeah, and we will find out this weekend where the final of the current comp will be held, which has been the subject of some okay. consternation. Now, you're a victory man, I know. I am this. indeed. Deep down, there are three teams left. Uh, I say that because we know that the Central Coast Mariners have already beaten Sydney and they're in, mm-hmm. right? So now it's going to be Wellington Phoenix or your victory. Yes, indeed. Um, if it's the victory that will be played at Amy Park, we're hearing. If it is, lo and behold, a Wellington Phoenix ambush, the game, the final, will now be transferred to the Central Coast, to the home of Gosford. What do you make of that? I, I think it's... Probably the right call, yeah. uh, but they did a draw for it, so I don't think Central Coast Mariners fans can really complain. They drew names out of a hat to see who would have first preference, 
and that's the fairest way to do it. Um, but you also have to keep in mind that Football Australia doesn't share in all that A-League TV revenue anymore, not to the same Correct. degree. So yeah, they administer this competition and a showpiece final with a sellout crowd uh, will net them a little bit of extra cash that they can put to good use. So, yes, I love the romance of the Central Coast Mariners' comeback story and where they've come from and where they've got to. You know, they were there were calls to axe them from the league not too long ago. And now they're a very competitive side who've had a miracle season under Alan Stadgett to make the finals, who've unearthed gems like Alu Kual, and who've got through a difficult period financially for all the A-League teams, especially them with an owner that's not willing to really put any more money in, uh, to make a cup final. So I like the romance of playing it in Gosford, but they, they drew it, theoretically a 50-50 chance. Uh, so I don't think Mariners fans can really have any complaints about the uh, the situation, and they still might host it. There's no guarantee victory you're going to get through. There you go. Um, something that, that uh, took my fancy, I saw it on my timeline, it popped up, and it was a little piece written by Damien um, Wojtek, and if the name sounds familiar, you'll understand why, because 55 years ago this year, and I'm talking 19, back in 1967, the Socceroos played... Vietnam. Uh, it was uh, the first time and they managed to win. The Socceroos won 1-0 in a place called Saigon, which was still at war, I think. The great Johnny Warren was the man who uh, etched his name on the scoring board um, and he silenced the what was a capacity crowd at the time. But Damien's father, Billy, of course, was one of the six Victorians who played that particular day. He's also the last Victorian right, who's still living in Victoria, or in Melbourne rather, and he's going to, I suppose, absorb uh, those memories because he's going to go along with his son to Amy Park. He'll be Billy Wojtek, the great Billy Wojtek, will be there with his son Damien at Amy Park, and I hope the organisers have something uh, special set aside, at least to acknowledge him because um, um, it'll be terrific. If the Socceroos can, one, notch the victory that they need, they absolutely need, and do it in a fashion that will bring a little sparkle to Billy Wojtek's mm. um, eyes and um, bring, him, bring him back some rich memories. I believe we've had Billy in the studio for a Night Train episode in the past, or maybe it was um, a Pioneers. Oh, I think both. It's quite Yeah, might have, might have had him in for both. So he's, yeah. he's a thoroughly charming man. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's got plenty of war stories. So, oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a legend. Literally war stories. I, I believe he made the Melbourne Knights team of the century as well. These uh, on their wall. There's a, uh, when I was there doing a, a pregame event for the original derby against South Melbourne last season, uh, yeah. there was uh, a mural on the wall um, in the club rooms there with their team of the century and Billy Foytek taking pride of place up front. You know, he... I saw Billy play a number of times over his career. And when he wasn't playing for Australia, you'd sit there. And, and of course, being a, I was born and raised in New South Wales. So for me, it, I wasn't always barracking for him. And But when he was playing against us, um, I would sit there and bite my lip. I never wanted to say the wrong thing. I never wanted to, to G him up in case I said something that would, you know, encourage him to just flex and show, showcase his marvellous range of skills. So I just sat there as a seasoned um, football fan going, uh, uh, chewy on your boot, chewy on your boot, chewy on your boot, Billy Wojtek. I didn't really mean it, but that's what happens when you get very frustrated. <laughs> when you see a seriously talented footballer putting your side and making them look like mm, ordinary or a novices or second rate, which, which was quite often. He was very, very special. And he'd remember the the wonderfully talented youngster, mm. the V-bomber. Um, and he may well have had a, a very um, big role in those early days of steadying, you know, big Mark. Mm. 100%. Especially when, when he, you know, big raw bone guy just could play football. Yeah, some amazing players come oh. through that team. Uh, speaking yeah. of Socceroos, George, we should yeah. preview this match coming up tonight because it is really a must-win against the bottom team in the group if Australia are going to qualify for the World Cup. It's it's going to be tough if they don't get three points. 
Um, you notice we've lost a footballer already before the game started. Yes, Apparently, snowstorm. Uh, the snow in Istanbul has meant that the, the planes couldn't take off. And uh, someone who we know really well, namely... That's Aziz Bayic, who can't make Aziz it. Bayic. And he's a mainstay of the team, so that's a big blow for a big game. Yeah, it is. So, um, How we, much of a blow do you think? With that, uh, It is a big blow because of his experience and the pressure yep. of the match. Uh, and, and our the backup... Template- and the template, the, the style of football he plays? Yes, indeed. Um, the backups that we have at our disposal are Joel King and yep. potentially Craig Goodwin, who I think is uh, very good at left back. And Renan like Mornstein was, was asked about this in the press conference and said that given that they're going to have a lot of the ball, given that uh, they need to score goals and they will be pretty dominant in Vietnam's half, Craig Goodwin might be the choice, and I hope they go with him. I hope they start with Craig Goodman because his delivery on his crosses, you know, for a winger, he's not an amazing dribbler, but when he gets spaced across the ball, his delivery yep. is pinpoint. So if if he's playing left back, he'll probably have more space ahead of him than a winger would. So he won't have to do that much in terms of defensive duties tonight because Vietnam will sit very deep and play on the break. So surely the defense can shift across to cover for him. I think Craig Goodwin is the choice here, and I'll be disappointed if he doesn't crack the starting eleven. Um, I think it's an interesting perspective you've, you've, you've thrown up. I had totally forgotten, isn't it naive of me to say that? But I had forgotten Craig. I thought Young King will get the, the, the run. It'll be an opportunity for him to showcase mm. his talent, and he is a talented boy. But when you open up and, and say to me, Goodwin, I remember Goodwin, and, and I've watched his journey. And he is a very much better player than a lot of people give him credit for. And he has helped Adelaide, you know, get out of some terrible, um, uh, you know, skirmishes. And he's also given them some wonderfully golden moments. So, gee, that would be special. It would be nice on his return to the national team to see him make a difference and be given that chance. Uh, Look, Joel King is a good player. I don't think he's in his career best form. It's, it's an odd time for him to break into the soccer setup because Sydney have been off the pace, and I think Joel King has also been off the pace this season. Yeah. So I don't think he's at the peak of his powers right at this moment. He is a soccer calibre prospect in the future, but I think starting him in a game like this when he's not feeling his best, when he's not playing his best, might be a mistake. You know, our next guest, uh, Michael Petrillo, is head of football at uh, the, uh, the champions of the A-League, Melbourne City. Um, he might have uh, an interesting take because he's probably seen Craig on both sides of the fence. Uh, you know, in the early days at, at um, in Adelaide and, of course, uh, when he was at, at City and, uh, well, Melbourne Heart. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's some good uh, left-backs coming through at City as well. Uh, Geordie, there are. Geordie Young Boss. Boss made a... Big move last week, didn't he? Yeah, he was great. And, uh, Young Jordan. You know, it's hard, to, hard to displace a character and a leader like Scott Jamison from the starting 11. Uh, but Boss put his best foot forward. And I thought with a threadbare squad, City played one of their best matches of the season. You know, you talk about threadbare. Uh, there was one guy who's been much maligned over the, the journey, a Frenchman who came to this country with no language skills. Mm. He came with a young wife. And uh, no sooner had they landed, they were burgled. Uh, they were seriously knocked around. But he showed his mettle. He said, he, then he got injured, but he showed his mettle. He said to the club, you know, I'll help you, you help me. Um, he got, he, he paid for a teacher, like an English teacher, to come and teach his wife um, English, he and his wife English. So much so that the other day I saw him interviewed after the game. And I thought, what have you got for us, uh, Florin? And he was damn good. I was imp- suitably impressed. Were you? Parlez-vous l'anglais? Uh, yeah, the answer is we. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I thought he handled, me, handled himself uh, with aplomb. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I like, I like it when we have foreign players who make a, a home for themselves in Australia and yep. stay for three, four seasons or longer um, because you really start to get the best out of them once they are settled. Uh, so, yeah, Florent Berenguer is City's primary source of creativity in midfield. I think the shift from the wing uh, to the centre of the park was an inspired one by Eric Mombarts, who came yep. in, um, you know, with an underperforming player and, and turned him into one of the league's best. And, you know, the 
culmination of that trajectory was a title. So, you know, they, they rely pretty heavily on him um, in, in the middle of the park for creativity and having him and Tilio both on the pitch at the same time uh, was, was a real boon for, for City on the weekend. Of course, Tilio now in Socceroos colours, will he get a chance either starting or potentially more likely off the bench to, to influence mm. the game tonight? Look, uh, I'll be I'll be very interested to hear what Michael Petrillo uh, says and, and how he feels. Mm. I also want to find out uh, internally just how much disruption this this COVID pandemic has created, not only for the club but for uh, you know the um, the uh, A League women's, uh, the youth sides, and of course the club itself. Um, it's 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 actually a construction zone uh, this year. They're trying to get themselves almost where they were and a step ahead uh, in the older you know, grounds that they had, of course, uh, right next to La Trobe mm-hmm. University at Bandura. Uh, now that's been decommissioned, as you and I have spoken about before, and all their interests and their money and their, uh, and their talents are being directed at Casey Fields. So a lot going on. The last uh, you know, uh, W League player uh, we spoke to, the Melbourne City uh, youngster, who debuted and scored a goal, no, no less, um, uh, told us that she was excited about what was going on, but it was a construction zone. <laughs> yeah, and they've, they've built a lot in a short space of time, City, and we're going to go to a break now because Michael Petrillo is in the waiting room and uh, oh, we're eager to chat to him on the other side here on State of Our Football Nation on FNR. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. It's that time of the week when we get to talk about the state of our football nation and uh, and the amount of guests that we've had this year, that, even though it's early in the season, has uh, has thrilled both Josh and myself. And again, uh, someone we've been waiting two or three weeks to get uh, finally uh, locked in, uh, and for any number of reasons, and most of them to do with his work, um, it's been almost impossible. But lo and behold... We've created some magic and we actually got his wife to lock him down at home so we can get, catch him. <laughs> his name is Michael Petrillo. He's the head of football at the Champions, Melbourne City. Um, welcome to FNR, mate. How are you? Uh, I'm good, George. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah. To, and and to, thank to your wife very much. We'll, we'll send her the keys in a minute so oh. she can, you know, take the lock off. <laughs> What's I'm it like? What's it been like this last month with COVID knocking you guys and girls. Yeah, it's been tough because, um, you know, not only with us, but the other teams as well, because you're not sure what the next day brings. And What about Perth? What about oh, Perth? And, 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 you know, Perth and not being able to travel there. So it's been a really disrupted season, probably more so this year than even last season with, with COVID. Um, but it, it is what it is. We, we've got to try and navigate our way through that. And, and, and so far, you know, I think we've, we've, we've done okay. We're probably lucky that we had a lot of the boys get COVID very early on, George. It was... Wow. Uh, uh, you know, massive amount of players, uh, one after the other, basically. It was like uh, dominoes. But, um, yeah, that's nearly out the way. I think we've only got two or three out of the whole squad that haven't had it. Um, what have you made uh, of, of some of the stories that have started coming out in social media today, of course, about the, you know, A-League uh, losing sight, uh, losing traction, uh, Channel 10 have picked a dud horse, all, all the silly stories that seem to emanate at this time of the year because... Lord knows someone needs to suck up some oxygen. I'm thinking, guys, there's, an, there's a COVID pandemic. Yeah. Uh, governments left, right and centre have been closing borders and yeah. you had this nonsense to write? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, some days. I yeah, look, to... there seems to always be an agenda, doesn't there, George, whoa, against whoa. football in, in particular. But, yeah, if they, if they don't understand the situation, and, and uh, interesting that they're, they're not criticising the, the, the big bash league because no, uh, they're, no, they're having no, their no, own no. issues. and. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with the product. It's 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 a uh, it's a uh, it's it's really strange times. It's unprecedented times. So someone yeah. saw a game the other day between Victory and um, who was it? Who, who did Victory play last week? Um, uh, last week, uh, yeah. well, their last game was against Sydney the other the other night. But, that, um, yes, the other night. Yeah, and everyone says to me, I missed the game. Yeah. Um, they said it was gripping and terrific, terrific. football. So uh, absolutely, you, you yeah. know, the boys are putting it. The boys yeah. from all the teams are doing their best, and the girls are yeah. doing their best. And we have nonsense being written left, right, and centre. It must frustrate you enormously. Yeah, it's disappointing. And, but, you know, as you have been, George, we've been around the game basically our, our whole lives and we've seen this before. And, 
you know, some some things, while they change, a lot of them stay the same and, and uh, we, we tend to get the same sort of people having the uh, same sort of criticism. Michael Petrillo is our guest and I'm going to ask him a question and, and we're going to go back. Craig Goodwin may or may not play for the Socceroos tonight. Would you play him tonight? Oh, look, because I, I, because Aziz Beach is not available. Yeah, he didn't uh, fly out of Turkey well, because I, of snowbound. So yeah. there's going to be an opening. Would you take the risk and play him? Well, I think he's been in decent form the last couple of games. But whether he can play, whether he can still play as a, as a left back, I'm I'm not sure because he hasn't played there for a while. You've seen enough of him. Um, Would you? Yeah, I have. Him? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's look. He's a good lad and he's a good player. Uh, deserves his call up. Uh, I think whoever misses out will be a little bit unlucky, but you know, Craig's uh, there's not too many left left footers in the in the squad, so I think he's got a good chance of starting. Josh, oh, I want to ask about the City Boys in the squad <laughs> playing on her home turf at Amy Park. Uh, of course, Matt Leckie and, and Jamie McLaren headlining it, but also Marco Tilio getting a call up to the senior team, which is very exciting. I've been, I think, one of his biggest cheerleaders uh, going around. Uh, what do you think his chances are of, of making at least a cameo and influencing the contest? Yeah, probably probably more chance of that happening, Josh. Uh, with Marco, and he's a, we've seen in the past, he's a, he's a player that you can come off the bench and, and, and he can make an impact, you know, immediately. And, and uh, I think that's probably the reason why, why Arnie's selected him, uh, knowing that he, he can have that impact if he needs later in the game. Also to give him some experience, but, you know, Marco's been in good form. Um, you know, it's interesting. Eighteen months ago, he, he wasn't even in an A-leg squad. So, so he's he's really come on in leaps and bounds. He's a fantastic kid. He works his his butt off and, and deserves every opportunity he gets. So, I, I think only you know, depending on how the game's going, but I think there's there'll be an opportunity sometime for him to come off the bench. What what more does PK want from him? Um, I think it's the same as what he wants from everybody, whether they're playing or not. George, it's 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 consistent effort. It's you know, working your butt off. Um, you know, being physically at the top of your game uh, to, to play in, in the Melbourne City team. And, and Marco's really uh, took a little bit of time to adjust when he first came. But, you know, he's, he, he's a type of kid that listens, he works hard. And whether he's on the bench or starting, he has the same attitude. And, and, and that's what we all like about him, particularly the coach. You know, the coach likes those, those attributes and, and, and Marco's really got them in spades and, and can see the rewards that he's getting uh, from his effort. Uh, Josh and I spoke about Florian Berenguer making, uh, you know, steady progress and just being this wonderful um, go-to guy that always seems to create something for us. Uh, not Maybe not always in the numbers we want him to. I mean, for example, I remember the grand final last year. He almost scored the goal of the game. Yeah. But the, put the ball just a few inches the wrong side. Now, if he'd scored that, I mean, man of the match. Uh, yeah. Other than, you know, Nathaniel deserved it too. But you know what I'm saying? He's been yeah. there or thereabouts. He started very poorly. And as I t- touched on with the story to Josh, he, they didn't realise just how difficult it was for he, the young man to settle in with his family yeah. and find their feet, get to understand the language and yeah. and finally come to terms with what, what it was like to play at the other end of the world. Yeah, in his first season, I think he was played out of position. We we, we, mm. we played him as a winger, and he's not a winger. But I think, yeah, you're right. Florence is the type of player that that uh, he works works hard. Sometimes doesn't get the goals uh, that he deserves. You know, he's either just wide or a block shot, or, or, <laughs> or you know, or hits the post. But um, in, in our in the way we play football, I think you've noticed over the last couple of seasons, in particular, that most of our goals come come from our front three. Not so much from our midfield, you know. And what PK expects from our midfield is, is to work really hard and provide opportunities and 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 to defend in, as much as get back. At, uh, sorry, to defend as much as to get forward. So um, yeah, and, and he's I, I think a little bit underrated in, in that regard. Uh, when you consider what he's asked to do, he, he follows the instructions to a T. And, and he's a great great guy. He's he's so popular in the squad. Uh, you know, no one can say a bad word about him. He's, as I said, he's, he's a really popular person in, in, the, in the squad and the type of play everybody would like to have. Michael, speaking of your front three, uh, Jamie McLaren bangs in goals on the regular in the A-League. We know he's top scorer and it's just a goal-scoring machine in the yeah. domestic comp. For the Socceroos, you know, hit and miss, he's uh, scored some goals, but I don't think we've quite unlocked his full potential in the national team. Uh, irrespective of the the leap up in level that that international football uh, obviously provides, 
what what do you need to do to get the best out of Jamie McLaren? How do you need to build the squad and the lineup to to best serve his strengths so that he can score goals? Well, he, he sees obviously our, our style of play <laughs> to a T, and that, that's you know it goes without saying when you look at his goal scoring record since he's been with Melbourne City. Um, I think maybe early on in his soccer career, he, he probably uh, didn't get the goals that the, he may have. But, you know, the games that he's played recently, you know, hasn't been a bad return. Mm. The other thing with Jamie, he needs to play consistently. So he needs mm. to play week in, week out. And, and obviously with the Socceroos and stop-start sort of uh, uh, games that he's he's had, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. But, you know, if, if he finds the confidence from the manager, um, then I think, You've got a, a, a really top line striker that, that will you know, be there and all thereabouts to score a goal nearly every game. And I think that's just what he needs is some consistent game time at that level and, and uh, confidence from the coach. Uh, talk to us about Matthew Leckie. His form has been up and down, and, and we understand why there are complications. He's injuries, uh, he got sick. Of course, then he's got the, the new baby, and uh, you're asking your dad to sleep all hours of the day and perform at night. Again, we forget. Um, people, fans are awful. Uh, they love you and they hate you at the same time. So, so what, yeah. what are we to make? What are we to make of, uh, of Matthew's season thus far, knowing what you know behind the scenes? Yeah, look, Matt, Matt, Matt's, uh, um, I've known Matt since he was 18. I, you know, when he was Is that right? 18. Yeah, I signed him in Adelaide when he was an 18-year-old. Oh. But, you know, he's 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 quality player. He's a quality person. And I think everybody that's come to the club in the first six or seven games, it has found uh, found it a little bit more difficult than probably what they, they thought they would. I mean, we look at Craig Noon and Adrian Luna, Florin when he first came, uh, and the list goes on and on. Um, even Andrew Naboo, perhaps. But, yep. you know, I, th- I think the last two games we've seen, you know, a closer uh, version of, of the real Matthew uh, Leckie. Uh, and, and I think he's just started to find his feet. As you said, you know, we play a different game style, so he needed to adapt to that and learn that. I understand that. Uh, had a niggling injury. You know, baby was about to be born. Yeah, you know, COVID. <laughs> There's, you know, a lot of things happening in, in the first five or six weeks of his life. Uh, with, with, sorry, his career with, with Melbourne City. So I think you'll see the best of him from, from now on, George. Speaking of inconsistencies in the season and the schedule, I think it's tough for for fans and and even media uh, this year because not only are the games kind of hard to keep track of with all the rescheduling and the shifting around yeah. and the uneven fixtures when there's sort of a conference system almost in uh, in at play, um, or certainly was at the start of the season. Um, but h- how do we? communicate effectively with the supporters so that they actually know the games are on so that they can adjust to these sort of kickoff times and so forth. But how we also build, a, I guess, a compelling narrative around the season because it's hard to say it's top versus bottom when one team has played nine games and the yeah. other team has yeah. played five. Played three, yeah. Oh, look, Josh, I think they're all good points and probably you know goes back to the point that, that George made before about maybe some of the criticism that we, we've got about the, the league and the, and the crowds and the ratings and et cetera, et cetera. But I think communication is really, really difficult when you've got so many changes happening from one day mm. to the next almost. And now when you've got, when you've got fixtures that are actually fixed, mm. you, you can plan your, your, your marketing strategy or, or your promotional strategy and whatever it might be. But when, you know, we don't know whether in, in two days' time you're actually going to play that game. It's it's really difficult, and and I feel I feel for uh, the APL. I feel for uh, for the clubs that, that are trying to communicate back to their supporters when when they're playing. Because I, I can tell you that there was one point in time that if you had asked me, I wouldn't even be able to tell you when our next game was. Um, and and even now, you know, we, today we we've had two or three meetings about. February schedules being changed and fixtures being changed. So it, it's just at the moment, unfortunately, until we settle with, with COVID, it, it's it's so difficult because now we're trying to fit games in everywhere and, and what we've also done is we've overlapped into the NRL, AFL season. So venue availability also becomes a, uh, yeah. you know, a, a difficult thing to overcome. So uh, I, don't, I can't give you the answer, Josh, other than to say it's it's been the most uh, interrupted Season of football. Um, since I can remember, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Michael, uh, Michael Petrillo is our guest on FNR, State of Our Football Nation, um, head of football at Melbourne City. Um, the women's, the the A League women's, 
Yep. Uh, the, the team this year, uh, putting some wins together, got a disappointing result the other day, but they yep. were playing away from home against a pretty good side. Yep. Um, what have you made of uh, some of the, the new girls? Yeah, we've had a good start. You know, and there's some really pleasing performances, particularly from the young uh, players that we brought in, uh, Winona Heatley, Wheatley and, and, and Holly McNamara, with Holly making her, her Matilda's the, the other night. So, yeah. you know, with Sydney, they've, they've been together for two or three seasons. So, so uh, and they're a good team. Uh, and it was tough. I don't think the scoreline reflected the actual performances of, of, of both sides. I think it was a lot closer than a 3 0 game. You know, just some key moments where they scored and, and we didn't. Um, so, and we've got them back in our patch later on in the season. So, it'd be nice to be able to do that. But, you know, look, from last season, from to, to this season, it's it's chalk and cheese, and, and we think we've got a side competitive enough to, to have a have a crack at the title, and and, and uh, we think we'll get better and better as the season goes on. But we've got some really promising young young players who who hopefully will be the club with the club for, for years to come. You mentioned venue availability before as potentially an issue going forward. Yeah, uh, does that? potentially open up the southeast as a possibility to stage some of these games. We saw uh, Casey Fields moved as a venue. I believe that game ended up being postponed and then <laughs> moved to Bentley Greens. Uh, so uh, we never got to see it. But uh, certainly with the club's kind of new training base and new identity in the southeast, yeah. is, you know, the likes of, of Casey Fields become a possibility for, for men's and women's games? Uh, I, I doubt it for A-League games right now. Perhaps uh, women's league games, yeah. uh, that, that could be a possibility. Um, yes. For the A-League, it's probably, you know, the, the venue is probably not suitable. Uh, FA Cup games would, would have been fine. Uh, you know, in the years to come, whether that changes, I'm not sure. It's not my decision, but, but um, uh, I, I can't see any A-League games being played there uh, at that venue. Right. Um, well, let's uh, talk about cities rest of the season because you've got a congested fixture list, rotations necessary, and we saw, I guess you'd call it a makeshift lineup last weekend, but I thought it was one of the best performances of the season. <laughs> the the team and the youngsters that came into the 11, you know, like yeah. Karen Stokes and, and Geordie Boss, embraced that opportunity. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting when you... Um... When you give youth a, a chance, sometimes they, they can really surprise you. And, and um, look, it's different doing it week in, week out. But you know, one-off games sometimes you bring the, the boys in, and, and they can really do a good job. And Jordan and, and Karen, uh, Karen's played a couple of games before, but remembering he's only nineteen, and, and mm. Jordan the same. You know, they're only they're only kids. So uh, I think they've both got big futures, and, and um, uh, again, pleasing because they've, they've been with us. For a little while, particularly Jordan, and he was 15 when he started the club. So it's great to see him come through. And they just got to keep keep their noses down. And, and PK keeps them well grounded. Uh, don't worry about that. So <laughs> they've got to work hard to earn their stripes, and they're not just going to be given a game. Um, Michael, before we let you go, I want you yeah. to to recount to a whole bunch of people that that don't necessarily know the journey that Conor Metcalf had had to go mm. through to finally emerge as this brilliant young player that has managed to get himself not only into the young Socceroos, but into the Socceroos. Give us a sense of how difficult it was for him growing up because he shot he shot yeah. up in next to no time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when he was signed, you know, he was, he was so tiny, Connor. But he, two foot he, two or something. No. Yeah, something like that. Something ridiculous <laughs> like that. But you could see, you know, he had the technical skills and he had really good game awareness and he's a good kid, uh, very shy, uh, unassuming. You know, and when he when he uh, when he started to get to about seventeen, he he was still very tiny, and we thought, is this going to work? But yeah, he just went through this enormous growth spurt between the ages of seventeen and nineteen. But it meant that he could hardly play any football because his bones were so weak from the from the growth. I think it was twelve or thirteen centimeters. Uh, wow, it was something I've never seen. Anything like it? It right. was the canteen at Bandura. <laughs> <laughs> it was something I can tell you, but uh, you know, went from this little uh, little squirt to to a, to a, you know a tall. Yeah, I, I look up a lot yeah. now. I don't look down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and credit to him, he had to spend a lot of time in the gym, and he used that time wisely. And we had a, we have a really good performance uh, group of performance staff that, that looked after him and, and and made sure that the time off the field was spent wisely and was able to bulk up and, and put some strength into his body. And, you know, he went from a boy to a man, basically, and, and, and uh, you know, the rewards have been there now for him. So I'm really pleased to see him come through and, you know, I'm sure he's going to be a, a top professional for many years to come um, and, 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 a, and definitely a future soccerer. 
Last one from me, Michael. And you tried to tell us this story last week when we had you on the phone. Uh, but for all the investments you've made uh, at your new training base, a cell tower is not one of them, unfortunately. So uh, we missed some of it. So can you recount again uh, how on earth Carl Jenkinson made his way to the club? Because Correct. I believe a former city coach was involved. Yeah, well, he, he's, uh, you know, we, we've been talking uh, about Carl for, for quite a few months, to be honest. And, and, um, it just happened that, that, that Warren Joyce was coaching uh, uh, the reserves at, at, at Forest, and, and uh, Carl uh, had spent a bit of time training with him over the last few months, and uh, you know made the connection and, and, and said, "Listen, it's a, it's a great club to go to. It's a great city. We'll organise you. You fit in right at home." And, and, and so, you know, he spoke highly about us, and you know, Carl was definitely interested and, and, and that's sort of how, how, how it really came about, to, to be honest. And, you know, we had an opportunity to bring him in the January window. He was still available and he was still keen to come. Um, and, you know, because of his versatility and experience, you know, still a good age at 29, we just thought it was too good an opportunity not, not to bring him in, you know, with the amount of games we've got coming up and the Champions League as well. Yeah. Uh, and he's a terrific guy. He's, he, as, he, as you saw, he's fitted in straight away, basically off the plane two days before that game. Uh, from five or six degrees to thirty-five degrees. Did he, did he parachute off the yeah. plane onto Gosford <laughs> Stadium? Just about. You know, he was going to take a few days to come in, and PK rang him and said, "Listen, Carl, I, I need you to get on the plane. Oh, I got a couple of things to organise." He said, "Listen, you get on the get plane. On the plane. <laughs> You'll be playing on the weekend." He said, "I'm coming. I'm coming." So, you know, you know, great attitude, and, and you know, he's he's going to be a terrific addition to the squad. T- talk to us about Nathaniel. He would have done the opposite. He would have gone from 35, 36, 37 degrees to Three, yeah, absolutely. In Scotland, completely, completely the other way. How's uh, he doing? Yeah, he's doing well. He played this morning against Celtic, you know, and, and he came on early on in the game. The, the right back got injured, and, and and that's opened the door for him now. And he, and he did quite well. I thought he was he, he, he had a good game. And again, he's he's you know, I can't see why he wouldn't make it there. I, I'm sure he will. He, you know, he's yeah. been a terrific player. And again, another kid that we picked up from Tasmania when he was 15 and comes through, left his parents and and, and made a new home in Victoria at 15, and and uh, now gone on and you know uh, with a, prof- a professional. How, how do you player. mentor? How do you mentor these youngsters? How how do you go to the parents and say to them, you know, trust us, yeah. we'll do our level best. I think it's easier. And we have a track record. Yeah, I think it's easier when you, you know, because we belong to the City Football Group, and we yeah. have a lot of protocols in place to look after uh, you know, young young players um, at the club, mentorships, uh, and so yeah, on. Yeah, and we've got the resources to provide. Um, um, you know, staff that can look after them for, for, for in whatever got way, I and mean, we've got well, player welfare officer, for instance, a full time person that, that you know her her job is is to look after the players and make sure that everything's done for them. So, you know, I, I think for a young player, any young player in Australia, if they, you know, and I don't want to you know blow our trumpet too much, but if, if you're coming to Melbourne City, you're making a great choice because you know whilst it's tough and whilst it's difficult, it really prepares you well for for life beyond maybe the A-League one day and, and to become a future socceroo because, you know, we, we, we make sure you earn your stripes, but we also look after you along the way. Is the window closed? Um, the window's still open uh, and we, we're still looking for, for probably to add one more player, George. We, okay. We, we so hope. Josh and I can still practice, continue practising? Yeah, well, I don't know how long you'll be able to practice for, mate. Right. We'll give you an opportunity. Thank you. Thank and, you. Um, you'll have to, Love you'll have, your work. Love you work. The dust off those boots, mate, and the cobwebs. But, uh... <laughs> I, I think they've turned to rock. Uh, Michael Petrillo, as always, yeah. mate, thank you very, very much to no you and the, and the entire family at City. Yeah. Good luck. Best wishes. Thanks, and um, uh, look, um, the competition is an exciting one. We've just got to re- remind everybody there's some fantastic yeah. football to come. And as you said, February, February is going to be crazy. It will be, mate. Yeah, it was a pleasure Thank to be you. on. Thanks for, Thank thanks you, for uh, having me. Well done. Michael Petrello on FNR, State of Our Football Nation, just giving us a sense of some of the challenges that uh, the, the boys at City have had to endure and the, the girls in the um, A-League uh, women's who are looking a, a mm. much, much better and attacked, attacking unit than they have been for a couple of years. And that uh, augurs well. And as you also mentioned, there are some young talent that is enjoying its time and improving all the time. And speaking of talent, I've got to say to you, there's an exciting event before we wrap this thing up, uh, Josh. You've got a promo piece that I'd love you to play if you can. 
Right. This is well, a promo talk us through up. it, George, because I'm not 4th. sure if we've got it queued up or not. So. Okay. February 4, there's a unique event happening live on Facebook and also on the website of Football Australia across, across the globe. It's, uh, it's, we're calling it Australian Football Legacy, and it's an opportunity to hit the reset button and to grab 12 of the biggest names, people both on and off the field, who've actually made a difference in the last 20, 30, 40 years and give them a chance to uh, tell us why we should pay homage to those who came before. And as we step up onto the shoulders of giants, what more we can do to make sure that the next 10 years are going to be super exciting and, and what sort of champions are likely to emerge both in the men's sphere and in the women's mm. sphere. So it's February 4 live on Facebook and also on the website of Football Australia. It's called the Australian Football Legacy. Take a look at this. <laughs> George, um, we'll have to roll it on our oh, socials afterwards. Um, right, so you, you teed it up so beautifully. I'm, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that slipped well, through well, the net from me. I had to because Andrew Pascalides and I are going to host it. And he said to me, mate, don't you miss a beat. I said, mate, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can. <laughs> We're going to try and pay homage to, to Les, to, to Johnny Warren, and to all the people who came, you know, not only in those early formative years, but who since have gone on and made a real career, uh, uh, you know, for themselves, but also uh, understand what's at play. Rally Rasic has, has a famous mantra. He wants to install and create the first genuine Australian football museum. Yeah. And he's got so much memorabilia that he wants to um, offer up. Mm. Uh, it's going to be quite something. So Rally is going to be on Laurie McKinna, Frank Farina, Graham Arnold, uh, you know, Gary Cole, uh, Heather Garrier, um, who has just been, you know, scoring um, uh, a number of different accolades over the last uh, year or two, and even some more later tonight. But, um, you know, some quality people talking about the game that they love and the game that they've played with, um, with real pride and with real passion. Well, George, uh, you've been a trooper today, so I just want to say get well soon, and uh, we'll leave it Thanks, there. Man. But uh, I can't wait for this this special event. Uh, Paul Mavrudis actually mentioned uh, R- uh, Riley Rasich's collection in past episodes of If You Know Your History, and uh, wondering awesome. where it will go. Uh, you know, uh, if Riley will decide to to part with it and put it on show somewhere. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, Football Australia can can get there. Uh, well, Chris Nicker is going together. to join us. He'll be there, so there'll be. We're going to go to the source. We're going to go and talk to Football Australia about what's to come. And to all those people who've been saying, come on, we've got to get Football Australia talking, uh, we're going to be doing that. So February 4, if you have any questions that you want asked and answered, uh, you know, reach out to us on FNR and um, direct them to both Josh and I, and we'll make sure that they mm. uh, make an appearance on the 4th of February on Facebook, and Football Australia's website. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.